This episode of El Politico was recorded on Thursday the 18th of January 2024 at 10.45am. Terms and conditions and events stated in this episode may have changed since originally recorded. Same hosts, Tom, Paul, welcome. It's an important year. Paul, we've heard the tune. Discuss. Yeah, I suppose that's a tune probably well known um, to a lot of people, especially those of us that grew up in the 1980s. That's Tears for Fears and Everybody Wants to Rule rule the World. But it's a kind of a remix that came out at the end of last year in October by a DJ trance house techno DJ um, Tiesto. So I think it's appropriate perhaps in this mammoth huge year of elections right around the world both here domestically locally and um possibly the uk most definitely in the us and we've seen that kick off there just at the start of this week with the caucus season beginning and we'll be returning to it shortly i think we will i think we will so um i thought it was just an appropriate perhaps piece of yeah. the music to yeah, start out d- today d- with <clears throat> i think tears for fears that they're still on the go the original, the original crew. I, I, I saw videos on YouTube there of, of them sort of singing yeah. all around the place, and they look a little different. Kurt what, Smith's what, what, grey sure, head. Yeah, and we, we, sure we all, we, we all do. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. That back in the, I said we are of a mind. We can all remember the eighties because we grew up in the eighties. Yeah. But uh, I suppose the the stars that were there aged gracefully. I suppose would be the best way to describe it. But anyway, no, no matter what, it was a great song. It's probably it's an album that's possibly probably. You know, it was in mine as a piece of vinyl in a lot of record collections, songs mm. from the big chair, I think, yeah. 1984 or 5. Um, when you look back on it now, actually, it's actually a very bloody good album. I'm back, I, having heard that kind of remix from at the end of last year, yeah. I went back and had a listen. It's actually, do you know what? And I didn't realise at the time because you don't really be thinking about these things at the time. But it's very political, actually yeah. quite political, kind of, a, and, and not really, not subtly political either. Yeah. Kind of delivering messages, you know, turn your back on Mother Nature. That would have been really previous, um, way before any kind of um, green political philosophy or anything like that. And most basic thing everybody wants to rule the world you know that's kind of one of your, one of your cornerstones foundations um, so yeah quite political but in a kind of a very um, produced pop manner I'm going to be coming back to the 80s in a minute but Paul has given us uh, tears for fears Tom in the era of uh, togetherness you have some big breaking news for us not from the 80s but from more recently tell us about it well I don't really, um, <laughs> because uh, I'm, I'm, Paul has put me off kilter completely with Tears for Fears. I, all I can hear is shout, shout, 
Let it all out. That was another song. Yeah, from that's the songs from the big chair as well, isn't it? I think, yeah, 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 that's what yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah. now. So my my McFly comment is make. completely. I thought got it completely wrong. We I thought McFly we were a three piece or a four piece. We had a production meeting beforehand, Tom, and you had this great big reveal about McFly getting back together. So go on. Yeah, but they did. No, they've they actually they've. I think they they broke up um, for a little while and then kind of got. Maybe it was during COVID or whatever. But anyway, no McFly of the of the of I, the of the, they, t- of the boy band type uh, eras are good. About ten or fifteen. Years ago, Tom. Yeah, but you look, listen, they're all coming back um, to pay the mortgage, you know? Yeah. That's basically what they're, yeah, you know, Backstreet Boys are still there, you know? Our own Westlife, uh, great, a great season last year don't, for them, don't, you know? Don't remind but yeah, but no, listen, they're all paying, they're all paying whatever, uh, you know, condos they're they're affording in, in, in uh, nice Riviera spots. It does it, like, uh, even kind of some of, even go back another era to the Bruce Springsteen's of the 1970s and 1980s, is it actually kind of taking over the stage? You know, you have a big tour again next year. All these acts, is it actually kind of suppressing the ability to create something new when you have all this kind of retro uh, well, coming back, new, we could, old, we, if we you want to call it we that. Could, we could have a discussion on the state <laughs> of the music industry, Paul. And I, but this I, is a political I, show. This is a political <laughs> show. So, so we, we might save it for another day. But because I'm everything going to, is politics, yeah, Luke. I'm, everything I, is politics. I, I'm going to bring it back to the ultimate politics okay. side of things in a minute. But I, I'll just leave it with this, Tom. In the nineties, we sort of said. Dance sort of started taking over the scene and there was covers and you started there going, what are they going to be covering in 20 years time because there's no good music left? And then you, the boy bands came back and sort of did covers of uh, everything except that what was a rock anthem was now a ballad with four lads sitting on a chair mm. whining about it. I mean, I suppose what has become the trend since COVID is back to live gigs has been the big thing. And the other thing is from a music generation is 90s music, dance music. Because Block Rock and Beats is the biggest show around when it comes to an actual disco type arena feeling. That's the only thing because even in Ennis, um, our friend Trevor, he's had a couple of really successful 90s nights inside an Ennis, whereas the normal nightclub uh, attraction is fading rapidly. Yeah, that's worthy of a program on its own. I'm going to bring it back now to politics and music. Over the Christmas period, as we were... um, uh, settling in and sort of, you know, uh, pre-planning the next episode of El Politico, I sent a link about a programme to the two of you and I'm delighted to be able to tell our <laughs> audience that neither of you listen to it, but you're going to listen to it at some stage. There was a documentary on one that was released a few months ago in relation to the Smiths tour in Ireland in 84. Now, I have to make a statement here. I wasn't as big of a Smiths fan as most people were. Mm. The Smiths and The Cure, yeah, they were okay, but they weren't my cup of tea, really. I said, I was a madness head. Mm. I still am, but that's another day's work. But a bit like when Meatloaf came to the showgrounds. In Ennis. And the documentary that was sort of made in relation to this, you know, everything is of a time. And I did not realise a few things. And I would encourage everybody to take a listen to it, because even if you don't like the music... Mm. It's a very interesting period of time, which I hadn't fully realised. Now, A, I didn't realise that all the Smiths had Irish connections. I knew Johnny Marr had, but I didn't realise that, 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 that they all had, which was one thing. And that they basically could have gone anywhere else in the world and probably made a fortune by going touring. But they wanted to come to Ireland. And part of it was they wanted to co- go to the north. And you bear in mind that about six weeks prior to this tour, P- 
Paul now. You're the political guru. 1984. 84. Oh, no. I, I, the Brighton I, Bomb. Brighton Bomb was in 1984 at, at the Conservative Six, Conference. Uh, correct. Okay. And Morrissey's previous history in relation to the Tories and his lack of love for Margaret Thatcher. The whole documentary is a great listen and it's a like a moment in time. And I think, Tom, uh, I, I, would I be wrong in saying you might have been okay with the Smiths, but you aren't a, you aren't a Smiths head. They weren't mainstream. They were very much um, a cult in that that type of music was. They they just you know there was no one copying the Smiths. The Smiths were just the same as the Cure. There was no one like yeah. the Cure. They were they were unique. Yeah, well, of, of the of, at a time, and the, the politics was very strong there as well. Mm. But then you, um, Johnny Marr would have begot a lot of jangly guitar stuff from the what yep. you talked there about the nineties. Yes. He most certainly <coughs> would be the Godfather. The influence of a, yeah. his influence yeah. definitely permeated right through the nineteen nineties and into. The, into the 2000s from a guitar perspective, most definitely. So that is my uh, sort of tuppence worth in relation yeah. to the political scene and where we are going to come back round full circle to now. better to start than in the US of A. I don't think we'd have enough time to talk about what's happened Donald Trump since last we spoke. In general, Paul, before we get into the Coxes and stuff like that, your thoughts on American politics over the last few months? Yeah, my thoughts on American politics, yeah. Well, it's okay. It's defined now at this stage. We're into that. We're into the, the selection process for the candidates, both from the Democratic Party point of view and from the Republican Party point of view. We're into that process. Um, if you want to look at how it's defined leading up to that process that we're in, um, what are the factors that have defined it? I suppose the factors that have defined it would be the continuous amount of court cases that Donald Trump is going through, everything from insurrection to espionage to rape to um, uh, business um, voter fraud voter fraud whatever it, it's yeah. all there in about five different cases from Georgia to f- from state level at Georgia to federal level um, so that to a certain extent defines American politics the other element that definitely defines American politics and I think will have a lot of consequences as we go into this period of election is the Middle East um, Israel Gaza Palestine and the response of the president and in more general terms, the Democratic Party, perhaps, if you want to put it in the context of an election, it's kind of crass to do that, but that's the way it is. That will define, I think, quite a lot um, of the election campaign or a significant amount in what is going to be a knife-edge election campaign. Um, Before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, Tom, you're the man on the outside looking in. Give me your thoughts on American politics, as you see it. Oh, I, I Regular think, CNN listener and all that that you are. 
Yeah, I've 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 kind of been turned off by CNN really the last maybe three four months I suppose since the conflict um, between um, Palestine or the Palestinians and Israel. Um, it's it's kind of I think America is is um, fighting its own morals as a as a as a nation because it, there's a fatigue about Donald Trump in the sense that this is just more of the same but it's it's not sticking i mean none of it is i know it's it's all pending all there's there's court cases pending the supreme court is pending but i mean nothing doesn't matter what is said about him i think people have made up their their minds in relation you either you're either uh, pro donald or you're not the same as what we've had for years now in relation to coming up to election there's a fatigue about Joe Biden. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, the poor man, realistically, I mean, he's, he finds it hard to get up on stages. He's a, he's a, he's a, you know, physically finds it very difficult because of the age that he is. And that that is represented in comments about Joe. It's like this is the most powerful nation in the world with X amount of, of, of kind of civilians. And this is the best. This is what we have. We have a, a man in his, is he 80? 80. 80, mm. and we have the challenger. 78. 78. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Nikki Haley, who mm, is uh, putting herself forward as the only uh, option. Uh, what do you call it? DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Ron. Yeah. Ron. Uh, the yeah. sanctimonious as, as yeah. Donald. Donald is going. But the thing about it, they reckon now that, that wait till Donald finds a nickname for Nikki. Yeah. You know, all the all the campaigns are against Nikki. He sees his, her as yeah. his most. Yeah. We'll, we'll, co- we'll come back to that. Tom. Yeah, sure. But it's no, I'm no. just saying morals wise, morals, there doesn't seem to be a sea change with America at yeah. all. Look, I remember we sat here. I can remember this whole cycle over the... It's, it's actually almost mirrors um, Scarf Bay Community Radio in 2016. I remember um, with John Cleary on the show we used to do then talking about Barack Obama and his, his end, the, the end of his presidency and this Trump presidency. I remember here four years ago talking about um, Trump and Biden. I remember us talking about the Democratic Party and Biden as being a kind of a, a stopgap um, he, wasn't, he wasn't Hillary. Th- th- this is no, he, but he a stopgap president yeah. in the sense that he, he ages against him. Um, huge career. Um, he gives the Democratic Party a chance to rejuvenate itself. And Kamala Harris, great young. Who? Um, yeah, exactly. Who? Over the yeah. four years as vice president. So that's kind of what you were looking at. That's what you felt you were looking at from mm. a political point of view with the Democratic Party. And as you said there, Thomas, here we are four years later and Joe Biden. I think that's going to become one of the defining, and believe me, like a laser, like a guided missile, the Republican Party, and it looks like Donald Trump will be the, 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 the candidate, will zone in on that um, with accuracy that you will never have seen before. Any stumble, any loss of train of thought, anything, if his hair is in the wrong configuration, talking about that for Biden, no matter what it is, if he looks in any way aged or old or not really able, I think he's actually even admitted himself, he doesn't particularly want to do this. But it's a sad indictment of the Democratic Party that they've produced. No, they haven't started there. (laughs) Something miraculous might happen over the course of their primaries and caucuses. Um, But it doesn't look as if there's any um, new, fresh Democratic candidate. And it looks like it will be a, on the basis of Monday's Iowa caucus, it looks like it will be a straightforward contest again, a repeat of 2020 between Biden and Trump. Um, If you look at, he comprehensively, comprehensively 
Trump delivered Iowa. There was a lot of talk about, there's been a lot of talk over the last year about DeSantis and he's just a more clever type of Trump, but he seems to have petered out to nothing. Then Nikki Haley, as you mentioned there, she was the one that was going to do something and kind of um, take some of the wind out of Trump's sails and perhaps win the Republican nomination, has performed well in all the debates. Once he got to that 50% in Iowa, and politics, there's one thing in politics, and it works. it's, it's either a favourable thing or um, an unfavourable thing, and it's momentum. If you goal. have momentum, if you have momentum, it becomes almost inevitable. He has serious momentum now coming out of that caucus in Iowa. Now, he went straight from the caucus into a courtroom in New York, you know, to, to defend himself against, um, not defend, it's been established, the E. Jean Carroll case. It's about damages now at this stage. He's been convicted of that. So he goes straight from there to that. New Hampshire is the next one. I think that's early next week. Could be an interesting dynamic, could be a slight twist in the tail in that one, in that you might have been following the Republican debates over the last number of months. Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, has pulled out now. And he was one of those people who was actually trying to give Trump a bit of a kicking, you know, from a Republican Party point of view. Wasn't happening, wasn't lending any punches, was going nowhere. He has formally pulled out of the New Hampshire race. That does offer Nikki Haley more of an opportunity to garner more votes to try and create momentum. There was a fear that the vote in New Hampshire, in the Republican vote, would split across Haley and Christie. She would identify this as one of those states that she has to do very, very well in, if not win, to maintain momentum for her. So Christie getting out of the race gives her a better opportunity, but her coming from Iowa, um, trailing Donald Trump by about 30 points, uh, 50% to 18% or whatever it is, it doesn't do much for her momentum. But this is, if he delivers New Hampshire, um, I would say it's a done deal, so to speak, for the report. If you look at even the... It'd be a bit early, Paul. But I, I, I would agree with you. There's no momentum, Luke, for anybody, after all. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. it's, it's difficult. And you, you look at the endorsements that have come for him. You look at Lion Ted Cruz endorsed him on Tuesday morning. Little Marco Rubio endorsed him just before the Iowa caucus. Um, Ron De Sanctimonious will ultimately because all these people now will start looking at ooh I need a job in a, in, a, in a potential cabinet or I need to be Attorney General or a Supreme Court Judge or the Minister for this or the Secretary of State for that or whatever so, so that's why you're getting this rush and avalanche of endorsements now yeah maybe Luke it's very hard to see it from yeah, a Republican it, it, perspective it is hard to see it it's but very I, hard I, to see I, it I'll just reverse back a little bit for uh, um, while I'm going to give you a few names Asa Hutchinson yeah, okay. <laughs> Doug Borgman, Francis mm, Suarez, Micah Tim Huckabee. Scott, Larry Elder, and Will Hurd. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee okay. you most people in Ireland have never heard of them. Mm. Right? I'll give you a few more. <laughs> um, Chris Christie, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Mike Pence. Mm. Now, Tom, riddle me this. What do they all have in common? They were all on the ballot paper. They had all indicated they wanted to be presidential candidates. Mm. So is Mike Pence gone as well? Mm-hmm. Pence is gone. He, he opted out very early on, yeah. Now, all you have... The whole system between politics, TV, and just the, the whole crazy system in the States, uh, last time around, you had the Republicans had TV debates, and Trump basically dominated every debate he was at and sucked this mm. is how he won how mm. he how he how he built his momentum 
there could have been 10 or 15 people at a debate. And he was so outrageous with what he was saying and because he had the cult of personality that the media exposure from these debates, about 90% of it was taken up by him. Didn't matter what the rest of them said. He sucked all the air out of the room. This time around, Trump hasn't appeared anywhere near a TV uh, debate because he's probably been off uh, in, in courtrooms and various bits and pieces like that. Some of the other candidates, there were so many at one stage that they said that, well, you have to be sort of polling above 10% in the polls or else we won't give you a seat at the podium. So it's a bit like um, the the RTE presenters for the World Cup back in the day. You had the A-team of Bill, Amo, uh, Giles, Dunphy, and then you had the B team of Peter yeah. Collins and whoever yeah. else was down the line. This was like the B team of of yeah. politicians. You're now down it's to... It's a three-horse race now. It's a three-horse race. Ron, Ron DeSantimonious, as you like to call him, Tom. <laughs> Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Mm. Nikki Haley served in Trump's last administration. Uh, ambassador to the United Nations and a governor of was it South Carolina or North yeah. Carolina? Yeah, South Carolina. South Carolina. Uh, you initially had Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He started to join the race as a Democrat and then change his party affiliation to independent. A, there will be an interesting dynamic there as well we can get on to. But if you just... So yeah. the Republican now at this stage, one caucus stroke, one state established, yeah. Trump comes out of there with 20 votes um, 50% of the vote goes into New Hampshire. Nikki Haley, that will tell a lot. She's still in third place. DeSantis, DeSantis is still came in second in Iowa, a very close second and third uh, to a distant first. Um, her eggs are in that basket of New Hampshire. Yeah. If she cannot come out of New Hampshire with significant momentum, um, yeah. I think it's over. And I have a f- feeling it's over anyway. To be yeah. honest with you, at okay. this stage, so that's the Republican one, and you've got to go yeah. through the whole process right up to July, going through all the, going through all the states, um, Super Tuesday, fifth of March, the whole lot of it, all of that. It's very difficult to see. It's about now, um, fluttering eyelashes to be the vice president, fluttering eyelashes to be the attorney general, to be nominated to the Supreme Court, to be a secretary of state, to whatever. That's what it's going to be about, and he will love that, and his people will love that. Yeah, unless. This is the other leg on the stool. It'll be interesting to see how that evolves and develops. The whole uh, court system, the five cases, how they evolve and develop over the course of the next three months. I I don't think that matters. Well, because it hasn't mattered so far. Well, it doesn't matter in the court of public opinion, but... See, well, if you want, the nature if, if, of the if, American... If, if, the, if he's physically in a jail cell. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> the, the nature of the American system that was established, like I said, 200 and whatever it is now, 30 or 40 years ago, you know, you had these... Um, and this is what has clouded so much in the last eight years. You had these deliberate differences between courts, Congress, president. Each leg of the stool was not allowed to be powerful enough to bring the whole place down. So... All the other legs are supposed to be able to temper and um, make sure that one leg doesn't um, take over the whole thing. Now, that has been blurred and hugely blurred. Um, We'll say you can see how the president and the Congress have treated the Supreme Court. And that's been a long term process. And you can see it's starting to make hay now. And it will make hay before the end of this process in that the Supreme Court will have to judge on some of these cases. So it'll be very interesting to see the judgments that are made by the likes of Kavanaugh, Barrett. Um, those type of 
um, justices that have been placed on there by Trump. So um, we have to watch it. That's all the Republican side of things. Yeah, you could argue that... But he has taken over the Republican you could, Party. You could argue that when it gets down to the, the election in full, that Roe versus Wade is going to come back and potentially have an effect the dismantling of that. There are a few things. An election campaign, a political campaign, no more so than here in East Clare for the council next year or for in America this year on the broad, bigger one. Which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But there will always be issues. Now, that will be an issue. And that was an issue that played out in relation to midterms and um, elections like that. Will it be a significant factor for Trump? Um, I'm not so sure that it actually will. That will be one. Emigration, no more so than here, in Ireland and in Europe and in the UK is going to be a huge issue. That's you can see that he's using that on the pulpit all the time now. Trump is emigration, but Biden he always has. Been, he always has. So he's using that. That's going to be a big one again. It's a big one all over the world. It's probably the biggest issue in the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, make America great again. Stroke foreign policy, and that ties into Israel, Hamas, Palestine. That ties into Russia, Ukraine. Um, that will tie into China, Taiwan. That. He's looking for this isolationist America. And Americans, like Thomas says there, you know, um, they're in that kind of mindset that they're kind of this retreating, this don't want to be the policeman of the world. And if that's the new world we have to develop and evolve, then so be it. But the danger with Trump is, and he's kind of explicitly said it in relation to this, and it's, it's been couched or been presented in these terms, this could be the last election in, in the States. You know, there's a lot of architecture in place or being put in place. You can see it. Actually. It's there in front of our eyes um, since 2020. You know, you can see the, the changes that even not being an incumbent that he's facilitating or trying to make in how it and is that they're operating. His actions over the previous four years have enabled a certain amount of that. Well, that's it, exactly. You t- t- take one slight one. And this isn't even the, the, the army or the... the, 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 the the joint forces in America. They're not part of that constitutional three-legged stool that we talk about, but they're a very significant part. We, we always remember Mark Miley and some of the stuff that he has said um, as um, Joint Chief of Staff, uh, being in part of Trump's cabinet or in Trump's kind of... Um, inner circle. Inner circle, if you want to call it that. And Trump has been very disparaging about him. But you can see you, you can see what, he, what, what, what Trump was trying to do with the Army, Navy, Air Force to bring them on side. And you look in the Senate at the moment, there's a senator from Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Potato City, yeah. <laughs> um, who's there blocking, blocking... Um, Aid. No, no, not blocking aid, <laughs> blocking um, appointments within the Sorry. US yeah. Army and things like that. And that's, why is he doing that? He's doing that. I guarantee you, the minute Trump, if Trump is elected, all that blocking will stop yeah. so that the right people can be put into position in the same way that the right people were put into position for the Supreme Court. Yeah. So there's an actual, we saw it in January the 6th, 2020, this coup in front of our eyes. But there are so many other little strands and elements to this um, that are there that we're not seem to be able to deal with. And it's like the, somebody said once about going bankrupt, you know, um, it all happens very slowly and then it happens really quickly. You know, all these little bits are happening slowly and then we wake up at some stage and it's all actually gone. And I get an awful sense, a grim um, sense with this, that there are so many of these little strands that are pulling apart and that we will wake up at some stage um, and it's all gone. 
that's why it is couched or presented in terms of the last election. And you yeah. see, if you take the democratic side, then I, th- like I said earlier on when Thomas, we've talked about some of the defining issues, you know, Democrats are an incumbent president with the people that he's aiming his electoral campaign towards. You talk about Roe versus Wade. That's one element. The huge amount of democratic voters that are very uneasy, young voters, very uneasy with foreign policy, with, 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 with America's unquestionable support for Israel, for instance, um, could, could have um, a bad impact on the vote turnout um, for Joe Biden or for the Democratic Party. And if you're on a knife edge election, where it's just going to be, you know, looking at one topic. Find me, tho- find me those ten thousand votes in Georgia last yeah. time around. If you're look, if if that's the level you're at, well, then if 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 ten thousand people in California, maybe that might be a good example mm. of a state because it's so profoundly a democratic. Swing state. If we get in a swing, go into the Arizona's, Nevada's, Michigan, Pennsylvania, or Georgia. Go into those states, and if you can find an issue like that, it'll come down to those fifty electoral votes yeah. in those five states, and if you can. Zone in on those and find where it is your weakness is for your opponent. Um, and hammer the bridges out of them. That's it. And, it yeah. might, and it, there's even a further, you know, there's even another, then people, disaffected voters, if we want to talk about disaffected voters. We've got to remember the American process. It's not just about the Democrats and the Republicans in the presidential campaign. And that's, it always comes down to that. But there's a big ballot paper. You know, there's the Green Party. There is Communist Party of America. You know, socialists, um, there are there was Ross Perot in 1992. You might remember yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, so you have you have a broad ballot paper. They all get you know there's eight million votes there for the Greens. So that all undermines perhaps or kind of weakens the one of the two at the top of the thing. And you have an interesting group there now establishing themselves. I would say to listeners, keep an eye on this over the course of the six or eight months. I think I referred to it last Political year. Political red alert. Political red alert. No labels. No labels. This third, there, Maria, we want to have a kind of a consensus third party candidate. Robert F. Kennedy, the man that you mentioned, mm. is potentially now being um, touted as a candidate for this. No labels. This kind of, that will split, that potentially splits a vote, takes votes away more so from the, the Democrats, Democrats yeah. than from the Republicans. So, like I say, grimly fascinating election as well as going I, to be. I don't think it's going to be pretty Tom your thoughts yeah the foundation stones um, let's say democracy seem to be ero- eroding in front of our eyes and I mean that's I mean from the court system you would think that the legal system if you you know if you are seen to do something and you're convicted of a crime that you will you know you will pay the price and I mean uh, an awful lot of the commentators have said look delay 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 Trump wins and then basically he just said, lads, uh, get your bags, pack yeah. up um, everything, every case that, that involves me over the last, whatever, five, ten years is now null and void. I'm the yeah. president. And like you said, it's a case of like, you know, the next, like, I intend to stay here longer than my four year term. And th- I my mean, it's been, needs me. Yeah. I need to make it great again. Yeah, yeah. because we've seen, I mean, we've se- we saw what happened on January 6th. And yeah. I mean, you know, there's nothing to say that uh, something like that couldn't yeah. happen well, again. We're definitely at that 
tipping point. It's a tipping point. It's not to say that it, it will happen, but we, we are most certainly at that tipping point. And like I said, over the course of eight years, we can see how it has. And it's like it's been in our face. It hasn't been disguised in any way. It's gotten more kind of um, out there. But no matter what, like he said himself, he defined it himself at the very, very start. I can murder somebody on Fifth Avenue and I would get away with it. He seems to have yep. that thing and he seems to have it more so than ever now at this stage. Um, so, like I say, it would be grimly fascinating. You talk about democracy. There's definitely, there's a concept after, again, almost like the length of time the America has been. Instead. That's when the era of enlightenment, the rights of man and the whole thing were established at the end of the, at the end of the 18th century. And we're most definitely, we are most definitely right around the world, even more so than here in Ireland, anywhere. There is a kind of a twilight era, most surely a twilight era of democratic principles or democracy as a political entity for sure and certain um, it's hard to see how can it be refreshed because it's um, it's definitely what we have been used to as, as a political system is definitely under serious threat now at this stage and I mean the, un- the undecided uh, voter in America what percentage have we got out there that hasn't already uh, how do you say pinned their colours to the mast I, th- I think Paul you have the scenario and we've discussed this before Generally, about 50% of the population will vote in a presidential election in the States. Only 50? Okay. Of that, uh, you have, just say generally, 50% Republican, 50% Democrat. Roughly. Now, of the 50% Republican, no matter what he says does or what happens to him. Mm -hmm. 25% of that demographic are going to vote for Trump no matter what. The big thing he needs is he only needs to get 4 or 5% extra of people that, as you said, could be disaffected or he might need them because if Biden loses... Uh, the, in the last election, the Latino vote that Obama had um, cornered, yeah. for want of a better word, especially around Miami, the whole great thing, Dade County. I said last yeah. election, we talked about Dade County. Mm. The Latino vote has veered Republican mm. in the last election and is still veering Republican, yeah. which doesn't make sense in one way, but that's how it is. That's what it is. Yeah. That's how it, how it has gone. And Tom, you alluded to it there, that the, you know the different groupings that are out there, and you could go back to 2016, where you had in the Democratic Party um, a, a small faction, and a faction would be the wrong word for it, but you had people that just didn't want Hillary, mm. and then they just didn't want, uh, you know, the continuation of what had been. The version of politics, you know, going back probably 20 years, you know, with, with um, you go back to the turn of the century, you know, the end of the last century into this century, that they wanted a break. But what, what it meant was that some of those people, they voted, they, they voted maybe for a Green Party, an independent yeah. candidate, and it meant that the, Repo- the Democratic vote went down and it started assisted in getting Trump elected. Mm. And this whole disaffection, we're sort of sick of it. We're, but it mightn't be a case of, Tom, we mightn't be sick of it. We've just gotten so used to it. And it's been pushed so blatantly, and it's happened in the UK as well, that it's so blatant what they're doing that 
nobody is sort of shouting, stop. Yeah. You start, this is happening, this is happening. And start, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like... Well, that's it, why you're in a twilight era. That, that, that's, that, that's the reason you're in twilight. Because Thomas talked about um, people, undecided voters. We have very few undecided voters anymore. The, the, actually, the point, it's actually the antithesis of that. We've actually, people are set in their opinions. They've totally decided where it is that they are. So that, and that's breaking... 50-50. And that's probably not a good thing. It's probably not a good thing for democracy to have it like that, in that your marketplace of ideas isn't able to flourish and you're not able to convince people of a new idea. You know, so everybody is entrenched and only believes what it is they want to believe. That's dangerous for democracy. Plus, you're probably not voting for anymore. A lot of people are voting against. against yeah. They're voting for someone not because they want them in government, but they don't want the other candidate. Very good point as well. So Joe Biden, as there's a fatigue there for so many different reasons, but people will vote because they don't want Trump. Which is a bad, again, it's, it's, if we're, you're if not if we're, if we're voting for the, the proper the, reason. If we're teasing, yeah, exactly. If we're teasing out what it is that has gone wrong with democracy. That's a very good point. We're voting against rather than for. If you take, I always talk about 1945 and, and the Clement Attlee election in uh, the, the, the UK general election. Yeah, People were able out, to yeah. vote for a new social democratic contract. You know, they had something to vote for. You're, that's a really good point, how democracy is undermined. We're voting against things now, um, which probably doesn't lead us to a very good place. But before we, we're going to go back and talk about New Hampshire in a minute but the UK the USA economy in general seems to be going okay mm. employment is good in the states the whole line that we'll say Bill Clinton had back in the day it's the economy stupid yeah doesn't matter anymore well you don't you don't you don't have the same uh, how do you put it it's not the same environment anymore I mean, you don't mm. have you, you don't have, have okay. You had the, you had the scandals with Bill Clinton in relation to, uh, let's say, extramarital. Uh, uh, how do you say activities? But you don't have the type of rhetoric or the type of carry on that Trump is doing mm. now. For, uh, was it yesterday? He, he uh, how do you say he didn't play by the rules in relation to his court drama outside his solicitors yeah, and himself came out and just went. Um, you know what I mean? Now we're just going to say what we want. We're not. And he, was he interrupting? He was in, in within the court. He was talking over the you lawyers know, that were representing. Yeah. So he's not playing. He's not no, playing he by the standard yeah. rules of anyone else. So I mean, even back then, it's. It, I think it's a, a completely different atmosphere. It is political if, atmosphere. If, 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 the economy, of course, is one. Because I think there are three significant issues again: immigration, the economy, and this foreign policy stroke make America great again. Um, the economy, if you take that, and we always use that one, the Bill Clinton, it's the economy stupid. It's always used as the one. So take, yeah, and, and all the metrics that we use and have used heretofore and have used the last 50, 60 years vis-a-vis -vis economy, growth, inflation, all those things, they're all going in the right direction for at Joe the Biden's moment, at stewardship the moment. of yeah. the economy. So ipso facto, he has done a good job. But if you, the economy is about really how you feel. How do you feel as a person? Can you afford a house? Can you afford to educate your children? Can you afford to put groceries in your refrigerator? Your, you know, they're the real economic factors. And there's an issue with those right around the world, here in Ireland, in America, the whole place. So the kind of the headline figures that you'll get on Bloomberg or CNBC or any of these kind of programs that do economics, they all look great. They look super. Growth, inflation, 
this kind of stuff. But when you actually ask, can you afford to purchase your first house to get yourself a bit of confidence and to get going economically, societally, whatever you want to call it, is that doable anymore? Getting out of reach of people, of normal people. Um, how much does it cost you, like I said, to feed your family for the week? You know, how much does it cost you to pay for energy? Um, in the week, and this is the same in America, and it's probably it's the same yeah, around the, the world same actually. Here, yeah. Same around the world. Uh, yeah. So, from the economy point of view, forget about the Larry Summers and the kind of um, those lovely figures that we get, you know, from from this from from the Secretary of the Treasury or whatever like that, um, or you're Janet you're, Yellen you, at this stage. Are you, you saying know, it doesn't matter anymore, Paul? In the context of how we think it should matter, or how the politi- political class think we should appreciate it, it doesn't matter. You know, the the the, the one economic. Um, index or indices you should use at this stage is affordability and affordability across the board for everything is we've just come through a period of the last 12 months where it kind of was out of control really in a lot of ways Um, inflation Inflation, directly attributable, I suppose, to inflation with that. But a lot of gouging as well, a lot of economic, mal- a lot of carry on from companies and businesses and service providers acting the gum and acting the maggot and getting away with it because they could get away with it. And why could they get away with it? Because the political system doesn't seem to be able to respond and deal with it. Yeah. And that's again, Thomas, why we've got democratic issues, why we're possibly in a twilight era when it comes to democracy. It's not just... Um global warming we need to be worrying about it's democracy I think I don't think so right. it looks like that we're going to veer a little bit and we're just going to go back to New Hampshire and we say part, parts of this now we'll say if you're listening uh, next towards the end of next week the programme might be a little bit out of date because we had I- the caucuses uh, we had Iowa and we're on to New Hampshire Tom this is our part of the, the, the sort of states we've a little bit of knowledge of we'll say you know Ma- the great state of Massachusetts, Massachusetts. and JFK Boston everything <laughs> like that and I, I, I lament about the New England Patriots but anyway that's a whole other different uh, programme that we could talk about <laughs> the state the state of it but uh, in build we trust and all that type of stuff but oh yeah um, Charles Coach or Cox I think is what Coach. his name would be conservative billionaire Paul uh Americans for Prosperity Action is his mm. gig, politically okay. wise. Right. He endorsed Nikki Haley last November. And it was basically that group's first ever endorsement and a bid to stop Trump. Trump, yeah. So they have thrown their eggs in behind Nikki Haley. Mm. So, as we said, who is Nikki Haley? And yeah. we're on to New Hampshire. And I'm just going to refer to a few uh, writings from the Boston Globe, mm-hmm. to which I have my subscription <laughs> page. And uh, in this election season, we're back up and running. And there is an article that they had recently, and I'm just going to quote from it. It's a do or die moment for the former South Carolina governor whose rise in New Hampshire in recent polls has given the Republican primary the closest thing to competitive energy in a nominating contest so far dominated by Trump. And as you've alluded to, Paul, she needs a strong showing to gain momentum, the big mo. In later primary states, where Trump is even more dominant, more analysts say. In her home state of South Carolina, she was governor from 2011 to 2017. She hails Trump by 29 points. But if she can beat him in New Hampshire or come close, the thinking goes she can ride that momentum 
mm. and persuade voters in later states to take a, a second look. The Koch Group has an underground presence in all 50 states, but has uh, invested heavily in New Hampshire and effectively has served as the Haley campaign's ground operation. Mm. The number of undecided people in New Hampshire is interesting. Mm. And I think it's going to be the best bellwether left. As you said, Paul, you think it's all over anyway. Um, The initial polling had Trump ahead of her and all the other candidates by 12 percentage points in early states. But when you put them head to head, they're statistically tied. So it's it's like as already... Ron the Sanctimonious is sort of a bit gone, yeah. and it's basically Nikki Haley versus Trump. That yeah. that that's what yeah. it, you know. You see, the, the, the interesting thing there, you, there was a lot of movement uh, towards Nikki Haley, even for the Iowa caucus. You could see a lot of, you know, that type of um, backing for her from outside interest. Thomas talked about she's the one person he hasn't been able to pin a kind of a moniker on yet. Um, he hasn't got his kind of Lion Ted Cruz, Little Marco Rubio, Ronda Sanctimonious or whatever. The one thing he has, if you notice when he speaks about her, he tries to pin on her, oh, neoliberal, neoliberal. You know, that kind of, um, that, that school of politics, economics, George W. Bush, that kind of neoliberal, which some people would, 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 would argue has put us into the position we're in today, economically, politically as well, into this twilight era. Um, so he's trying to pin that. It's not quite... It's, it's not, not, it's not it's really not, the catchy not sort, no. At the moment, so he's, I guarantee you his people are trying, they'll be trying something huge. Um, so he, he, she has come out of Iowa. The push was on there. She didn't manage to get into second place in Iowa. Um, 18%, yeah. DeSantis, 20%, Trump, yeah. 50%. So, so that's... She was close to DeSantis, but the two of them are miles, miles away behind. from Trump. Miles so behind. She, I think she has to be. I, 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 would, I, I don't know the actual mechanics of American politics, but I would say if she isn't within five percentage points of Trump in New Hampshire, yeah, she's going nowhere. And even five percentage points behind him, it's just the barest of bare types of momentum coming yeah. out of New Hampshire. There, um, the one thing she is doing now, she, now I, I suppose she's kind of in the old kind of Texas Hold'em adage. She's kind of going all in now, in that she kind of has to. There's nothing left. The three of them there now, so she has to go all in because I suppose she's coming from third place as well from Iowa. So she has refused now to partake in those debates, um, Luke, that you've spoken about, unless yeah. Trump takes mm. part in them. And that's 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 not not not. It's an it's an interesting strategy because mm. it's sort of sort of saying what's left uh, right, to debate. You, okay, you're the you think you're the incumbent. You're the dogs. Yeah. Uh, you know, undercarriage, yeah. and that you, you're 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 the man. Well, is it, why not, should I be debating uh, why should, why, Yeah, sure. yeah. No, it's, that's politically clever. Yeah, I don't think it'll it'll flush him out. I don't think he will bother. He doesn't have to. Yeah. Um, if she can, if she can come close to him in New Hampshire, that's why it'll be quite. Yeah, they're, fascinating they're, to watch. The groupings that are supporting her say they ha- and this is where you go back to polling and you know oh. we, we'll, we'll go back to watching the West Wing years ago and this whole thing about it was yeah. all polling, polling, polling yeah. and what should I say? What does the polling tell me to mm. say? Yeah. Uh, they, they, they say um, that there's potentially slightly more than one third of the people who say they support Trump are open to considering another candidate 
and it's what's called the soft Trump voter. Soft Trump voter is such a right? oxymoronic. Yeah, it, it, it is a little but bit. It is a little bit I, I, ironic. All right, but he Trump is currently up uh, as per the Globe uh, from. Uh, an opinion poll that they had uh, yesterday and we were recording here on Thursday so this would have, would have been Wednesday uh-huh. and what it says with less than a week to go before the nation's first presidential primary Trump c- continues to dominate the field maintaining a double digit lead over Nikki Haley with wrong dissentimonious in a distant third place yeah okay so Trump has come out with the line looking for help show big margins yeah. right he's yeah. at 50% and he's strong amongst most demographic groups, drawing more support than his rivals amongst men, women, and voters young and old, which is basically everybody. Everybody. Haley, 34%. But she performed better at independent voters, getting 44% compared to Trump. Now, New Hampshire is a little bit different in that it's not all Republicans can take a vote in this. Mm. There are some independents that can... Uh, yeah. They call them undeclared voters. So it's yeah. a bit like, Tom, um, you're not a Democrat, you're not a Republican, you're undeclared. undeclared. You can vote in the Republican primary. Okay. Right? Mm. It, it's one of those quirks. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, there are plenty of quirks in, in, in the process in yeah. America, yeah. Yeah, and... But basically, she's 16% behind. Mm. The other thing that I noticed, I, one of the headlines I noticed that her people have come out with is that, is it up to, um, she polls well um, with Democrats, this would be if she gets onto the stage yeah. for, 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 for the actual presidential election. She polls well amongst Democrat voters as well, and that Democrat voters are prepared to vote for her, you know, when they wouldn't even consider in any way voting for Trump. Um, yeah. So she polls well there. That's another one of her kind of um, things that her people or her campaign have been putting out there. But there's no point having that if you can't get out of the starting blocks. Like, you know. And it's funny, Trump um, used that, let's say, in <laughs> Iowa, in relation to saying, he said, uh, you know, to his supporters, do you not know that um, Haley is going to have Democrats she, voting for her. Democrat. <laughs> you know, so he yeah. used that he, and yeah, even though, like, yeah. you can't. But you're, but you're they, dealing with people there that are, you, you saw some of the kind of the, the vox pops with some of the they believe They believe whatever they hear. Like we say, explicitly saying we need an authoritarian ruler at this stage. Some of the people walking into some of those caucus meetings. It really is. And a lot of them forget that so uh, Trump was originally a Democrat. I'm sure he's whatever he has to be yeah. to be the top dog. That's yep. it, basically. It's like what, you know, whatever. whatever um, I suppose we've gone through maybe the the, the kind of the, the initial stages of the whole primary, and this is the season we'll be in now for the first six months of this year. I think it's fascinating, and we talked there about the um, the the architecture of the American system or the Constitution, how it was created by um, the Jeffersons and the Washingtons and those. Um, I, again. I think it's worth at some stage, not now today, looking at the actual, um, this interregnum, this period, and we saw it was so important in 2020, this period between election and assuming office, this period from the 5th of November to the 6th of January, so to speak, those two months, it's a real grey area constitutionally for um, presidential um, incumbents or people about to come in that time those two months in creating the electors um the process how the 
how Congress works. It was set up to be the transition of yeah, power. But now it's becoming a kind of, last time we said, it's becoming a kind of an era where you've got this kind of grey period where you don't know what's happening or you potentially might not know. And if you have bad actors involved in that, you can actually exploit those eight weeks in heretofore unforeseen ways, you know, and that's something to watch for next um, early winter as well. The architecture of the actual election itself and how it is that you find or create a president. We all know about the electoral. We know about the popular vote. And even if you win the popular vote, you might not necessarily win the presidential campaign. It comes down to the electoral college and the the power that perhaps smaller states might have, the larger states. There are other examples. I think it's worth a show on its own. A contingent do you know what a contingent election is, Thomas? No. Luke, a contingent election? We, I have a recollection of us <laughs> discussing this previously. Was it, was it if there was a tie? No, or am I wrong? If somebody doesn't get to 270 electoral college votes, yeah. it's really interesting. Well, yeah. I, I, I'll leave it. That's the hook for people to come back in. Whatever. But it, it's, it's really, it's, it's um, my God, when you look at the, how it was created and established, basically, um, Trump could, without winning the electoral vote or without winning the popular vote, he could legally still become president. On that note, we're going to play a song as of yet unknown. So enjoy the next few minutes and we're going to go from America back to East Clare. So 